Welcome to Tanya's Good Vibes Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything that makes us feel good, we exude positivity, we party through love and light, and we talk about all the blessings through the tough parts of our personal journeys. today is the author of 32 Regrets, A Guide to Reclaiming Creativity. He's here today to share his personal journey and help us reclaim our creativity and find fulfillment through creative work. Let's give a warm welcome to Todd Searle. So happy to have you here today. How are you doing? Tanya, I'm awesome. Thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited about our conversation. Awesome. I'm excited to have you here today. We had a great conversation before this podcast and we just spoke about a lot of interesting things. So why don't we just dive in? I would like to hear all about your personal journey and what made you become the Todd that you are today. Ooh, that's <laughs> going to try and do a, uh, a short version of that answer for you. There's a lot leading up to it. And I think this is one of the, like my favorite parts about talking about creativity is actually hearing where people came from and how they, they went on their journey. And then when they realized the specific like skills and experiences that they had led them to this point of starting a business or starting a creative project on the side. So I'm super excited to be here today and talk to you about creativity. But my story really begins when I graduated from university in 2009. Graduating at the end of that recession, there weren't necessarily a ton of jobs available. And I actually got my start working for a clothing company. And I was doing product development for them and really running teams of designers. And what I thought would I would be doing was like more creative work, like actually designing the garments, making like coming up with ideas, bringing stuff in. And so I was on the business side, making sure that product got from our factories to the distribution centers around the world. And it wasn't really creative. And I started probably six months in to say, I think there's something more here. And that kind of just started my journey of looking at what else was out there for me. And in that process, I started journaling and I started looking at, okay, what gave me energy today? Where did I lose energy today? And what did I learn about Todd today? So what gave me energy today? Yeah. What did- lose energy today? And what did I learn about Todd today? That is so powerful. All right, continue. Yeah, so we can actually get into that because I have a whole little bullet journal system that I use every day to track how I'm feeling and what I'm doing and where my energy is flowing. But that led to a series of job hopping. I worked for a ski resort. I worked for a plastics manufacturing startup. I then decided that I had worked for a think tank and really liked the policy world. And I went back and got a degree in security studies, which is essentially a master's degree in defense and intelligence. I worked in the U.S. government. I worked consulting for federal agencies. And throughout this whole process, it just felt like there was something more. And I looked at my wife who worked for a technology startup. I looked at what she was doing and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Tech seems like a really cool thing. It seems way more free flowing than government does. So I'm going to go over there. So I went to a software startup and throughout all these things, I always, for six months, everything would be great. Like it would just be like perfect. I was into the new role. I was really like getting into it. And then I just felt this pull of creativity and I'd been into photography for a long time. And I always admired people who were entrepreneurs and creative entrepreneurs who started a business by themselves that was successful and maybe didn't grow past that one person phase. 
but that they were doing something on their own for themselves that really seemed to give them a lot of energy. Yeah. And so I started to explore that idea and went, what is it like about these folks that's different from me? Did they have uh, more creative parents? Did they get like a master's in business administration when I got a master's in government? Like, what's the difference here? And I actually got approached by a Georgetown professor where I'd gotten my master's degree. And he ran this program where he actually taught his students entrepreneurship through writing a book. Hmm. And so I said, that's really cool. And he had connected with me on LinkedIn and said, hey, would you be willing to be a resource for my students? Like they'd, I want them to interview different people. And I said, sure, yeah, that sounds great. This is really cool. I love mentoring. I love being able to help other people. You know, I'd, I'd be happy to do whatever I can. And then he wrote me uh, last May and said, hey, I'm doing this program for a bunch of uh, adults. Do you want to join? And it went in my email inbox. And it was one of those things that I was like, oh, yeah, I read that. Cool. I'll come back to it later. And I woke up one day, like a month later, and was just like, I want to write a book. And I emailed him and said, hey, Eric, is it too late to get in on this? And he said, absolutely not. Let's jump on a call this week and let's talk about what you want to do. Awesome. Cool. And that's how you ended up writing the 32 Regrets. And that is, yeah, that's exactly where 32 Regrets came from. And so he said, what do you want to write a book about? And I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I just know that these are people that I admire. And if I could, if I had an excuse to go talk to them and figure out what they were doing, I think I could learn something. And I think mm -hmm. I could take these 32 business ideas that I have and go start a 33rd. And he listened to me and said, that's really interesting. Like, why is it so important to you to go start a business? And it was that realization when I felt that sort of knot in my chest and in the pit of my stomach. These aren't business ideas. These are actually regrets that I'm carrying with me. Mm. And I, there was no way I could have another regret. And so I didn't want my 33rd idea to turn into a regret and just sit in a Google sheet um, as number 33. And so I wanted to get started on something. And so this book is really, it's the 33rd idea that has spawned so many other ideas at this point in time. Well, awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Actually, that's, I was going to ask you that because on your website, you say, and I'm quoting you, for 10 years, I journaled about starting a business, but never took action. And I wondered what it was that successful entrepreneurs had that I didn't. So I was wondering what during that process, what was actually holding you back? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I'm actually working on a blog post on this right now. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and actually, so this is part of another project that I'm working on that's like a follow-on book to 32 Regrets. And I, I think one of the biggest things I found is that these creative entrepreneurs just got started. And I think what was holding me back for so long was this fear of failure. And mm. it was really a limiting belief that I had within myself that I couldn't do these things. And I think what I found is that I was holding myself back from going out and really diving into and exploring any of these things um, because it's really uncomfortable to be creative. Like yeah. uh, whether it's photography or doing a podcast, like putting yourself out there can be really uncomfortable Definitely. and just like, putting your stake in the ground and saying, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. And that process of just getting started is so scary because you think about, oh, what will my colleagues think about me? What will my boss, like, will I get fired because I'm doing this thing on the side? Like yeah. all these thoughts run through your head. And what I, the kind of message that I really want to tell people is it, it's twofold. It's just get started. Like whether it's a blog, whether it's taking photographs, 
whether it's solving, you know, complex chemical or mathematical equations, I'm not the guy doing that, just so we're clear. But if somebody out there has that creative ability and wants to do it, I really would ask that people just get started. We live in a world where I think we need creativity more than ever. And regardless of what that idea is, if you have a small voice in the back of your head that's calling you to go do something, please just start today. Because what I found is I didn't, for 10 years, I didn't start. And once I got started, I couldn't stop. I was always thinking about this book and I was always writing. So I would stay up until 2 or 3 a.m. writing or I'd get in my car to commute to work and I'd be thinking about something and I'd have an idea and I'd turn on my phone and record a voice memo and I'd record a thousand words of me just talking. And then sure enough, when I sat down at the end of the day to write, I opened that up and edited that thousand word uh, That is voice so memo. smart. That is, yeah, so I never thought about that. This is, there's a creative tip in there, right? Which yeah. is, there's so many, there's a couple of like free tools out there. So voice memos is one. There's a transcription service called otter.ai. And I think you can record, one, yeah. yeah, I think you can record a certain number of minutes for free, but I would use that service and I'd actually go out there. If you want to sponsor us, you could drop that in yeah. here too, otter. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I would go and I, I'd record stuff. And for me, it was so easy to talk through these ideas and to make, like my brain would make connections randomly. And I guess what I'd say, like the biggest thing that I saw in these creative entrepreneurs is they just got started. And one of the biggest things for me is never waste an idea. If you have an idea, don't wait to write it down or to record it in a You'll voice forget. memo. You'll forget. Yeah, start it, do it now, do it right now. And if that's taking five minutes out of your day with a post-it note to write down, okay, I have this idea for a podcast. Here's the main question I want to ask. You can suss out the rest of the questions later. It's mostly write down the main idea because you're going to forget. And so that prototyping phase, whether it's on like post-it notes or whether it's using newspaper to create a mock-up of a backpack that you want to create, these are all things that you can do that are like super simple, but don't let the like fear of, oh, I need to have this gear or this thing hold you back. Mm -hmm. Just start with what you have today available to you. I 100% agree with you. And I went through something similar when it came to actually starting this podcast. Will people actually listen? What are my friends and my family going to think of me? And a lot of my podcasts touch base a little bit on spirituality. So is that going to cause an issue or people are going to look at me differently? So I just said, you know what, like you said, start and be yourself and just remember what your mission is and your yeah. vision is. Don't worry about what other people are going to think about you and your vibe attracts your tribe. So people that want to listen to you or like that like what you're saying or that believe in what you're saying will come to you. It doesn't have to be your friends or family. They don't believe in you. That's fine. They don't have share the same views, but I realize that so many people around me actually are, are happy for me and, and that love what I'm doing. And I was so scared. Now I look back on my first or second podcast. I was editing it the other day and I was like, Oh, I've come such a long way. <laughs> yeah. what? I'm saying, or I keep repeating certain words, or I sound crazy, but I started and now yeah, I've absolutely. grown so much. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I, I love this Maya Angelou quote, which is you can't use up creativity. The more you use it, the more you have. 
And it's like the same idea. It's if you just get started, things start to happen and they start to become so much easier for you. And with creativity, like if you just spend 15 minutes a day writing, and if that's journaling or if that's writing blog posts, 15 minutes a day is not a huge time commitment. And it keeps you in that creative mode and it keeps you thinking and wondering. And you're going to, I don't know about you, but I find that the more I do this, like the more I'm constantly thinking about it or like, I'll wake up and be like, oh, this is a great idea. And it just, I don't know, it becomes a little bit more effortless. It just starts to happen. And then, and then once you accomplish it, you're like, that was genius. Or yeah. even journaling, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't even know what I'm going to write. But then when you start writing, an hour later goes by and you're like, frick, I wrote a book. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize some, I had all these thoughts. <laughs> it's amazing. Like Sometimes it just falls out of your head and it's just there. And you're like, cool, this is awesome. And then one of my friends warned me, one day you're going to wake up and you're just not going to have it. You're going to wake up and you're just like, you're going to try and write and you're going to have nothing and it's going to be frustrating, but you need to plan for those days. Mm. And I was like, interesting. Okay. So I was able to, I started planning for those days. So I'd write, like when I was feeling good, I was just, I'd be writing, I'd be creating, I'd be thinking of new ideas and putting stuff down. And then there are days when I woke up and was like, yeah, I don't have it today. I'm not going to try. And so instead of sitting at my desk, pulling teeth, like trying to just get into a creative mode, so I'm just going to go for a walk that like, you just got to accept those days when they come. Yeah. When you have one of those brain farts. Yeah, so exactly. I'm sure some people when you're like, yeah, be creative, do this, do that. And they just say, oh, I'm just not creative. I'm more logical. What do, do you think that everyone has creativity? Yeah. Yeah. So this is a great question because I've talked to so many people who are like, you wrote a book. That's awesome. I could never write a book. I could, I'm not creative in that way. Mm. Like, yes, you are. Like everyone is creative. And so one of the things that actually helped form the foundation of this book was a study that was done for NASA by Dr. George Land and Dr. Beth Jarman. And NASA approached them and said, hey, could you help us figure out who our most creative people are? And so they said, sure, I think we could do that. And so they started this study and they were looking for people who were working on like life support systems, how to keep astronauts alive in space, how to do like moonwalks, like computing when computers were the size of a warehouse way back when. And so they did this study and then they said, I wonder what happens to creativity across time for kids. And so they did this study and I'm going to, I'm going to cheat and look at my notes here, <laughs> but they, they started on this study and then they decided to do a longitudinal study of kids and look at kids aged 5, 10, 15, and then at adulthood and see how creativity changes over time. And when they tested children at age 5, they were 98% who scored in the highly creative range. Wow. Uh, by age 10, that changes to 30%. By age 15, it's down to 12%. And in adulthood, it's 2% of people who score in the highly creative oh range. Oh my God, I got shivers from how ridiculous <laughs> that is. It's crazy. Oh and so God. I saw this and I went, what happens? Like, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. And so when people say, oh, I'm not creative, I always think back to that five-year-old. And I spend a fair amount of time with my nephews and with friends' kids. And they are, they just are always talking and like coming up with new ideas and I'll ask them questions and they come up with what to adults may seem like ridiculous answers, but they're just going with whatever's going through their head. Yeah. And I think what happens is we, we get in our own way a lot. 
And we end up fearing failure. Like we talked about fearing what others will think about us and judgment. And there's two, two methods of thinking that are like readily available to humans. There's convergent thinking and divergent thinking. Mm. And so convergent is that like judging, looking at a series of ideas and then choosing the best one. And convert or divergent is that blue sky, what if, what I wonder if we could thinking. And what I started to realize is that, and what Dr. Land talks about, he did this great YouTube video that if we could link it in the show notes, I would definitely love to do that because it's really worth watching. But he talks about that when you try and do both convergent and divergent thinking at the same time, he was studying MRIs, your brain actually fights itself. So you can't do both of them at the same time. So I think there's real magic in learning, giving yourself permission to actually sit down and think about those what if questions and just what would I want my life to look like if I could do anything? And if you think about that and then you start to basically bring in, you move from the divergent thinking mode to convergent thinking and look at, okay, tactically, what are the steps that I need to take to get to that point? And you end up actually creating a plan. And so to your original question, everybody has creativity. I think so many people think of creativity solely in an artistic pursuit, solely as like mm. painting or photography or singing or playing an instrument. And it's not. Creativity is around us every day. And that could be something as simple as creating a new business process, creating or, a new business. Or even like when I was writing that question to you, I, I was asking why, because I'm guilty of that too. And I used to say, oh, I'm not creative. I'm the logical one. I'm in HR. So I, I follow policies and procedures and I go with the flow. But then I started realizing I'm creating that wall of, I'm telling myself I'm not creative. Yeah. So I'm not being creative because I'm making myself believe what I'm saying. And I started thinking, okay, what are the small things that I do in the day that makes me creative? What do I create? And then the first thing that I could think of, which is so simple, is cooking. Nailed it. When you cook, yeah. you're creating something. You're creating something out of nothing, yeah. right? So Absolutely. every day people create yeah. by cooking. <laughs> and it's really simple stuff, like creating a grocery list, like thinking about what you want to accomplish in a week or what you're going to do with your week, or even like creating weekend plans with friends. Like these are all ways that we can express creativity. And I think you're right, like at the smallest level, if you recognize that you're doing these things, you can flip the narrative in your head to know that you're already creative and mm. you don't need, you're not defined by what you're doing, that you have that ability to create within you. And then it's a question of figuring out, okay, where do I want to be more creative? Mm. Yeah. And your first, let's say you want to paint, your first painting is not going to be like a masterpiece, <laughs> but maybe your 20th is going to be a lot better than your first. Or... Totally. Like you said, like it's incremental improvement, right? Like right. you said, like you listened to your first podcast. Nah, man, I published this book. And one of my friends warned me when I started, he was like, look, I, I don't want to offend you, but your first book is going to be terrible. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, thanks. And he was like, no, think about it but you're going to write, you're going to learn, and you're going to do another one. And when you do the next one, you're going to apply all the lessons that you had from that first one, and you're going to do better. Yeah. And then you're going to learn on that second one. Oh man, I would have done this so much differently. And it's the same with like blog posts or painting. If you start painting, like 
I I tried watercolor as a creative outlet for a while. <laughs> it it's not my strong suit. I'll just be honest. Anything like visual art like that is not. I'm not very good at it. I'm not very trained at it. I don't have the like mind hand connection that some people have, where they can like, look at a room and recreate it from memory. I, my brain doesn't function in that way, <laughs> but I can put a lot of words on paper and then delete stuff and make it cohesive. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think everybody has that ability. I think it comes back to that quote, comparison is the theft of joy. If it brings you joy, like who cares? If it's not hurting other people, who cares? Just go, go do it. Go paint, start painting. And you're going to learn. You're always learning. Um, one of the guys I interviewed for the book is a guy named Max Busser. And he's the founder of a watch company, Maximilian Busser and Friends. And he gave this great talk. And I just love the title of it. And I think it's so applicable here. It's you never win or lose, you learn. And he talks about basically, I think that's such a reframing too for me. When I tried to start my drone business, when I got funding to do that, and I categorized it as a failure. And I think reframing that as like not a win or a loss, but a learning event. And I learned, and now I like learned, look back on that and I'm like, oh man, that that idea still has so much merit and it's such a, it's a cool idea. It just wasn't like the market and the world wasn't ready for that idea yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think reframing stuff is a, like a way to learn and a way to express yourself is really important. Yeah. And even a lot of people have this fear of public speaking and I was one of them. And I used to always say, I can't do it. I'm too scared. And it held me back a lot from opportunities to just be myself and mess up if I needed to, but just get out there. And I would get too far in my head saying, I'm going to say stupid things. And so I remember at my university, I took a, a public speaking course and the teacher was like, why are you so scared? And they go through the process. And then they're like, have you ever filmed yourself? doing public speaking and I said no like I never even thought of doing that and so she filmed me and she's like just get up for five minutes and talk about anything it could be whatever and so I got up and I just made something up and I while I was doing it I'm like this is so silly it doesn't make sense and I sound so stupid but then when I watched myself I was like wow it was all in my head it's perception of expressing yourself you think that you sound silly and you but you're actually motivating in your own way in yeah, saying that absolutely. that's getting into our own creative headspace whatever it is whether it's speaking or writing or so what are some ways that in your opinion that we can get into our own creative headspace without yeah putting out that fear of judgment on ourselves and on other people Absolutely. Yeah. And to your point about public speaking, like we are our own worst enemy and like we're our own harshest critic all the time. And I can't remember what the song is, but the song lyric has stood with me for a while now. And it's, you play 99 amazing shows, but you only remember the one that sucks. And so it's, we always play that like highlight reel of like mistakes in our head. At least I know I do. And so like trying to get out of the way of being your own worst critic is hard. But I, so in the book, I write about this practice that I like to call setting a trap for creativity. And it's actually how you bring creativity into your like life and daily routine. And there's a lot of different ways to do this. And the, I think the only real way to figure out which one works for you, if you already know what works for you, just keep doing that. 
don't listen to me. But if you don't, and you're trying to get started with a creative practice, you know, what I call setting a trap for creativity is those actions that you take to bring your muse into the world with you and really get your creativity kicked off. And that could be everything from working out first thing in the morning to going for a walk before you create. So it's like setting that routine to bring creativity into your life. So some of the methods that I've heard are one of the biggest ones I saw was movement. So whether that's a workout or going for a walk, and there's actually a Stanford study that was done that showed that if you go for a walk, you're actually 80% more creative than you are if you're sitting. So I really like going for a walk and I actually really like taking meetings while walking because Mm. I'm doing something else, but like listening and being able to respond but being stimulated by like nature or the city or everything going on around me. Uh, And so one of the folks I interviewed is actually a two-time Canadian Olympian. Her name's Sheena Lorick, and she started a a nutrition consulting firm here in Chicago. And she takes every single one of her meetings while walking because it allows her to come up with like new ideas and things that she wouldn't have thought of if she was just sitting, staring at a computer screen. So that one really stood out to me. There are other people I talked to who did meditation or Wim Hof breathing. I personally, I'm a workout guy, but also I like to spend time in nature. So if I can get to a forest preserve and go for a hike, I don't know what it is. Like I just feel really centered and calm after spending time in nature. And then that allows me to tap into like deeper reserves of energy and ideas. And other people I talked to going back to Max, like he told me that he just sits alone for an hour no phone no notepad and I was like that sounds terrible I could I could not do that that sounds so boring drive myself crazy (laughs) if it works for you man that's great Mm -hmm. uh another guy I spoke to actually drives race cars to focus and that's how he gets creativity he finds that by racing by going really fast by shifting gears like it unlocks something in his brain to actually allow him to do the deep creative work to come up with his next design language And then another friend of mine opens a Google document once a week, every night, or once a week, every night, once a week at night, he opens a Google document and just starts writing down whatever comes into his head. And he listens Mm, to a a brain dump. Yeah. He just does like a brain dump while listening to a Spotify playlist of household noises. So like fans, washing machines. Okay. Like, I was like, okay, man, if it works for you, great. <laughs> but he said like the, just like the background noise helps him. And for two hours, he'll just sit there and he finds that the longer he sits and the more he like writes ideas, the more creative, maybe a little bit more odd they get, the more mm-hmm. interesting they get to him. And so there's a lot of different ways to actually set a trap for creativity. But I think that habit of doing something that sort of tells your brain, hey, we're switching into creative mode. We're going to try and do something. And then maybe sitting down to do your creative work after that is a really great way to bring creativity into your daily life. That's a good idea. I, I didn't think of that. I do actually, every time I have a podcast, I light a candle every single day. Oh, I don't nice. know why, okay. but it inspires Habit. me. The, the scent actually yeah. helps me to communicate. <laughs> There you go. That's awesome. I am totally going to, I am, that's definitely going in a blog post for updates to creative methods. Awesome. I'm glad to make it into your your blogs. They're actually really interesting. If our listeners uh, would like to check them out, I actually read a couple of them. Really good. 
Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I want to talk a little bit, a bit about the title of your book. It's called 32 Regrets. I find that so interesting. And I like to know, first of all, why did you call it regrets and not like 32 tips on how to be more creative? (laughs) And in all of those, what is your biggest regret in those 32 regrets? Ooh, yeah, that's a, those are good questions. So 32 Regrets grew out of uh, conversations with Eric when I was talking to him about writing the book and saying, I have no idea where this is going. And he said, that's good. Just start writing. And so I started doing interviews. I started writing. And at one point, he, he just point blank asked me, why is this so important to you? And I could not talk. I had a not in my throat, my, my chest got tight and I just, I was tearing up and I couldn't respond. And he said, okay, there's something here. This is important to you. And what came of it is that I looked at my list of 32 ideas and I just felt like so sad that I hadn't taken action on any of them. And every time I looked at that list, I thought, what would have happened if I sat here and actually applied myself? and took six months for one of these ideas and just said, I'm going to give it six months of everything I have. And I told him I couldn't do that again. I couldn't come up with another idea and then not take action on it. And immediately the word flashed in my head, regret. And I went, this is a list of 32 regrets. It's not 32 ideas. It's 32 regrets. And so with that, I was not only like sad for the actions I hadn't taken, but I was so motivated to make this book a reality and to make my 33rd idea something that worked. And I knew that there had to be other people in this world that felt this way. I knew there had to be other people out there that were in this place with me of regret and didn't know how to get to that other side of dreams. And 32 Regrets came out of that list of ideas. And the whole premise of the book is about changing those regrets into the dreams of your future. And that's reclaiming creativity is really the first step in that process. And of the regrets I have, they're ridiculous. They range the whole, it runs the whole range of ideas. So off the top of my head, one of them is a sunglasses company for riding your bicycle where they're like really cool Ray-Ban style sunglasses, but the nose bridge piece is actually like rubber so they don't fall off your face as soon as you look down, to creating a a bicycle company that creates like really cool single speed bikes for commuting and really beautiful race bikes, and then building a team around, like a racing team around that concept. So they're all over the map. And I think that's the fun thing about coming up with ideas and creativity is that you can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But the, the biggest regret really is for me still in the drone company that I tried to start when I was in graduate school and that I got funding for. And that was a drone company actually for ski resorts to do avalanche mitigation work to keep mountains, backcountry areas, and like transport routes safe for skiers, snowboarders, railroads, highways, things of that nature. For me, it's like one of the coolest ideas I've ever had. And I think it's, there's, I still have a tremendous amount of energy that I want to put towards that idea. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably why that one resonates the most with me, because I think it's something that is still viable and that there still is a market for out there. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. 
but it's that's the one that for me was that's like number 32 of 32 and because i think it's the most recent it's the most fresh for me and for me there's still a tremendous amount of energy there and that's actually one of four projects that i'm working on right now it's fun to keep working at it yeah absolutely that's a great idea i think you should keep going for it especially if it has to do with something that's safety wise i'm sure that it it could be adopted fairly quickly yeah Um, absolutely So I know you talk a lot about you're giving the advice to just jump in, to just start, to just put your idea, ideas or anything, whether it's voice memos or writing them down or sharing them with someone. Besides that, what advice would you have for someone just starting out in their creative journey? Totally. Yeah, this is a great question and something that I love because it bridges from that question of, oh, like I'm not creative. What do I do? And one of the things that I realized for myself is that I was reading all these sort of like personal development blogs and all of these books about uh, productivity and feel like in our work culture, we're always about productivity. And that's like the be all end all. Mm. And what I found is that I was so accountable in my work life that I wasn't being accountable in my personal life. Mm. And what I mean by that is I had terrible schedule habits when I like was off the clock from work. And so like, Rather than come home and take my dog for a walk and then cook dinner and be like, I'm going to watch an hour of Netflix right now. And then (laughs) one hour of Netflix has a sneaky way of turning into three hours of Netflix. Binge watching, yeah. Yeah. So what I found is that it's a twofold exercise that I like to give to people. And it's really what I like to call time and dreams. And so the first part is taking a calendar and looking at your week and looking at how you're using your time right now. And somebody starting on a diet Like a nutrition coach doesn't want to look at a perfect you. They want to look at you in the, like the Tanya of today. Mm -hmm. And so what I want people to do is actually take a a schedule and like on an, on a sheet of paper, map out their day and just write down what you're doing with your time. Eight o'clock to nine o'clock commuting, nine to five work, five to six commuting, six o'clock dinner, seven o'clock walking the dog, eight 30 to 10 Netflix. And look at that time and you're going to see this, you're going to see time start to appear where you're watching Netflix or watching TV or there's open time in your day where you could actually take and allocate 15 or 20 minutes of that time to creating. And so if you start to look at those trends within your schedule, you're going to find open blocks. And what I challenge people to do is actually reallocate just a little bit of that time in my initial like segment recommendation is 20 minutes. And if you sit down with a blank sheet of paper or a Google document in front of you or the notes app on your phone and set a timer for 20 minutes and just start writing and see what happens and start thinking about, ask yourself the question or I'll give you the creative prompt of what do I want to create? What creative vision do I want to bring into this world? And if you start writing about that for 20 minutes, I can guarantee that 20 minutes is going to go by very quickly mm-hmm. and it will not feel like 20 minutes. Right. Uh, and you'll be surprised. And once you start doing that, and if you start making that a daily habit, it's pretty easy to step from 20 minutes to 25 minutes or 30 minutes. And then you're creating that daily habit. And the other thing I like to recommend that people do is actually write a dream essay. And that is an essay that encompasses your life dream. So as you're looking at your life, what is it that you want to accomplish? What goals do you have in 5, 10, 15 years? 
who are you living with? Do you have a partner? Do you have kids? What are you creating? Where are you living? Where in the world are you? Where are you traveling? What are you? Where do you um, want to live? Where do you want to live? What are you cooking? What are you like? <laughs> are you learning to cook? Like, these are things that it's an open-ended essay, but the point is to get you thinking creatively because one of the coolest things I found that is if you can say this to yourself or to somebody else, you can make it a reality. And I found that when I was writing the book, I started and it was like my little secret and like I was writing this book. But as soon as I put it on LinkedIn and announced to the world that I was writing a book, I actually had to write a book. And I like had to become that guy. You were accountable. So I was accountable. And I think as soon as you write that dream essay for yourself, you start to look at the world differently and you start to look at your choices differently. And you start to think, is this really getting me to where I want to go? And then you hold yourself accountable. But if you also share those dreams with other people or start talking through them with your family, your spouse, your partner, you might start to realize that they want to support you in that dream and they want to help you make that a reality. Definitely. Um, basically, like the more support uh, from your network that you can build, the more accountability you have and the more people want to know how your progress is coming along. Exactly. I 100% resonate with that. And I think you saw with Kyler, he came here, he was in sales, he, and he did, was like, oh, I just want to take pictures. And I'm like, well, here's a camera. And then, he, <laughs> and he went out taking pictures and he's, I think I could actually go into business with this or start a career in this. And I'm like, yeah, go for it. Hey, I'm there for you. I'll help you find a job. And then he got a job and then it just spiraled from there. And now yeah. he's a full-time content creator and he's has like, do, does side gigs and video take, taking pictures for restaurants and music videos, stuff like that. And it all, stem from an idea where he was like, I think I want to try this. And other yeah. people around him were like, go for it. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And this mm -hmm. is like my favorite part about the creative journey and talking to folks. Like you don't actually end up where you think you're going to end up. So That's this is true. the creative disclaimer. Like I think this start on one path and you're like, this is what I want to do. And then you do that thing. And then you're like, oh, but I really like this other thing. So I can't tell you how many people I know who started out as photographers and then someone had said to them like, hey, I think you should try video. I think mm. you'd be a really good videographer. You could create really great content. And they did, and they have not looked back since. And so like the creative journey is a really interesting one and you've gotta be open to where it takes you. Because exactly. a lot of times it doesn't go where you want. Exactly. Or it goes where you want, but it leads somewhere else. Or even like you were saying, like you're, you put it posted on LinkedIn, I'm writing a book or I started posting I'm, that I'm starting a podcast. And then I just started posting it without having any expectations. Like this is who I am. This is my message that I'm bringing out. And I don't even know what I want from it. I just want to spread love, joy, happiness and inspire people. And what I've noticed is that you're being noticed. You're putting yourself out there. People are noticing you. And we're going through a hard time right now, losing, having either no jobs or having trouble finding a job or with all this pandemic. And I've noticed just by putting myself out there, I had three job offers in the last week. So yeah. you don't even know where it's going to lead you. And you just be yourself, go with what your passion is. And you might you know, get relocated to Bali and live your best life. You wouldn't even know there you, go. you didn't do yeah. it. You're too scared. Absolutely. <laughs> this is like my favorite phrase in the world. Bring yourself to the party. 
And that's, it's that be authentic, be yourself. Like I used to train sales teams and I would always end my like training with bring yourself to the party. And people are like, what do you mean? You can talk about the like software and the details all day long and you can know every technical specification, mm-hmm. but if you're not genuine, people are going to know that. Yeah. And so bring yourself to the party, be you, have fun with it and everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And people are more empathetic to you if you're messing up than you. Absolutely. Think. Yeah. So usually I end this with any final thoughts, but you've been giving some great thoughts. So I heard that you are a movie quote buff. (laughs) So I'd like to know to end off this podcast, what is one movie quote that you live by and that you just love and really resonate with you? Ooh, that's a really good question. (laughs) A singular movie quote to sum up things that I live by. Wow, man, man, this is a good test of my skills and abilities here. (laughs) I think the one that comes to mind because I'm a Chicago guy and I grew up watching this movie. So Ferris Bueller's Day Off from Ferris Bueller himself. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't slow down and look around every once in a while, you might miss it. Mm -hmm. So life is, life moves really fast. If you want to create something, just get started today. I really like that. Awesome. I well, love that Todd, I never saw it. I'm going to watch it. Okay. You have to. <laughs> That's your creative homework assignment for the weekend. How about that? All right. Sounds good. And then I'll message you and be like, oh my God. So, <laughs> Todd, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. And thanks for everyone who tuned in and are, is listening to us. For more information on Todd and where to find his book, please check the description. And if you want to hear more good vibes, please subscribe or if you want to spread some good vibes to somebody, share this podcast with a friend. Thank you for all our beautiful listeners who tuned in. Todd, thank you so much. I had you, such Tanya. a great chat with you. And Thanks, everybody. I, I love this conversation. And like I can't thank you enough for hosting this podcast and for the message you're trying to put out there in the world. We Aww. need more good vibes. And... Thank you for doing what you're doing. This is this is an awesome podcast and platform. And I can't emphasize enough that if you uh, like this podcast, subscribe to it because Tanya's awesome, gets amazing uh-huh. guests, and sped, spreads a message of positivity that the world needs. Oh, thank you so much, Todd. Thanks. Absolutely. Um, that's so sweet. <laughs>